Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. Well, welcome to the podcast, Betsy. We are so excited to have you with us to talk about just a really cool and interesting concept. Jessica and I were talking about it before the interview. We think it's so fascinating and just such a great concept to bring into our classrooms. Jessica and I are pronouncing it hexagonal thinking, but we're saying hexagonal or however the heck anybody wants to pronounce it, they can. Um, but for the sake of the podcast, we'll try to stick to hexagonal thinking, um, in our pronunciation of it, but welcome Betsy. We're so excited to have you here with us. Thank you so much. Me too. Yeah. Can you tell our audience just a little bit about who you are, what you do, perhaps where they can find you as well. If they're listening to this, they're like, Oh my gosh, I want to learn more from Betsy. Oh, of course. Thanks. Well, I'm Betsy Potash. I am a fellow education podcaster. And at the moment, I actually live in Bratislava in Slovakia. Look that up on the map. (laughs) Um, And I love traveling with my family and I love researching and sharing creative strategies for high school English teachers and middle school English teachers. When I was a teacher myself, I love to do poetry slams and play performances and portfolios and just so many things that lit me up. And I found that they lit up my students too. But sometimes I felt a little bit lonely if I couldn't find a community of other teachers who are interested in those same things. And so my dream was to kind of create that community um, for teachers who are interested in those things. And I'm so happy to say that dream has really come true for me. Oh, I love that. Can you tell our audience where they can find your podcast, the name of it? Because I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between our audience and your audience. And, you know, our listeners could definitely benefit from listening to your podcast too. Oh, that's so nice. Well, my podcast is called the Spark Creativity Teacher Podcast, and it's on all the apps. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, So with that being said, you're going to talk to us today about hexagonal thinking. And forgive me if I say hexagonal thinking at some point throughout the episode, (laughs) Um, but it's just such a dynamic (laughs) uh, strategy and approach. And it's great for so many different ELA genres for standards. What is hexagonal thinking? And then how did you come across it? And you're like, oh, this is going to be so great in English class. Yeah. So hexagonal thinking is a way to approach discussion. And it's a method that you can return to over and over again. It gives kids a chance to find connections between big ideas. And those ideas can go Um, across disciplines. They can connect to books and poems and short stories to things that are happening in our modern world. Um, Basically, you take these little hexagonal cards and you put ideas on them. It could be a quote from a text. It could be a character's name. It could be a theme. 
and you create a deck of them. So maybe it's 10, maybe it's 25 and you share them with a small group of students and you ask them to start to line up the ideas. Every card has six sides, right? If we think back to our math classes of the past. Um, so that means that each card can only have six connections but it could also only have one. And so students start to debate like, oh, does this character connect to this theme better than this character? Does this quote fit? Um, with this thing we were talking about in history or art class better than this quote. And they, and they get into these just fascinating conversations and there's no right answer. It's just a matter of critical thinking and argument and backing up your argument with your peers. And so in terms of ELA, there's just a hundred different skills that come up every time you do a hexagonal thinking conversation. And it, it comes from the business world. Um, and I saw a photo of it somewhere on the internet. You know, somebody was experimenting with it. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> that has so much potential um, to help light up discussion, to give students really interesting angles for writing. I, I want to know more about this. And so I started researching um, and I realized that it it seems complicated, right? From the outside, you're like, what am I going to put on these things? Who's going to cut these things out? How am I going to grade this? Like, this is kind of a paper nightmare. And so my mission became like, how can I boil this down to the essentials and make it really simple? And that's kind of been a big project for me over the last couple of years. And as I've shared it, you know, I just hear such good things. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's actually really fun. I love that. And can you hold up just for those of you who are watching on our YouTube channel to get a visual of what Betsy's talking about? They're literally hexagon cards that are cut out and we're going to go into much more depth and detail about this. But if you head over to our YouTube channel, so you can see physically what Betsy's talking about. Um, oh, even mini versions. I love it. All different sizes. <laughs> um, so cool. Thanks so much, Betsy, for sharing that background information. And we'd love to like dive in deeper into this with you. Jess, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. Now. So, I mean, my wheels are already spinning. Like I love creative ideas, like in this, in the classroom, but I'm thinking if a teacher is listening to this and they're like, great, I want to try it. What advice do you have for them for getting started or introducing it to your class? So you're setting them up for success. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be super complicated. I hear from a lot of teachers that they like to do an introduction with fun terms. So rather than diving right in with your term deck from like the great Gatsby or um, your literature circles books or whatever you're doing, you could do something like put put 10 hexagons up that have candies on them or that have social media platforms or that have Netflix shows and get kids to start debating with you. Do a little modeling like, oh, what are, do we think that the themes of Schitt's Creek do connect more to the themes of Modern Family or do we, you know, <laughs> do we think that the, the, um, lead character in this show has more in common with the lead character in this show. And you just start to kind of show them like, this is how you debate. This is how you move around. And you need to be able to defend. If Butterfinger deserves a spot next to Milky Way, you're going to have to back that up, right? Because I think Skittles should go next to Milky Way. Um, so you do a little bit of modeling like that. And you can talk to them about about where the strategy comes from, from the business world, that it's about innovation. It's about making surprising connections and explaining those connections. And then it's not about any type of a right answer. And so what students are going to be working on is um, 
making effective arguments, explaining their thinking, group dynamics, like how they relate to each other and don't stomp all over each other in the discussion and, and explaining their ideas. So you kind of, you, you explain the concept, you do a little bit of modeling, and then maybe you do some modeling where they um, help you out. So maybe then you grab a couple terms from whatever you're reading and you draw some hexagons on your whiteboard or put them up on a Google slide or whatever. And you say like, okay, where do you guys think um, that this character should go into the web that we have? Where do you think this character should go in? And you can have students raise their hand and kind of give a defense. I think that should go here and here's why. And then you can say, oh, does anybody disagree? Like, where would you put it? Why would you put it there? And, and you can show that it's okay to disagree. Um, and, and that that's kind of the point. Like you want to discuss what's the best connection? Why is that the best connection? And that's where kind of the heart of why it's interesting comes through. Okay. This is so many interesting to me. Yes. Because I'm thinking I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be, of course, obviously it makes sense in the business world. Like that this is where you would come up with these innovative ideas. And I remember listening to, gosh, I can't, he was like the head of the Imagineer team for Disney or something at some speaking event and just talking about where creativity stems from and where these ideas stem from. And I think it's from giving kids opportunities like this. You know, I think so often we give them a discussion question and they talk about it. Well, here, it is so much deeper in terms of these abstract connections that aren't right or wrong. And I love this concept. I love it. And the way you introduced it, I mean, what buy-in you're getting from your students, right? If you're using TV shows they like or candy bars or whatever it is, they're hooked. So then you can introduce those higher level concepts like you were talking about. So I feel like the, the potential for differentiation is definitely present in this activity as you build up those skills. It's just so cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun because you can really take kids from total beginners to super advanced over the course of a term or a year. I really think of this strategy as a discussion go-to. So like maybe literature circles or Harkness or Fishbowl or something like that. It's not like a one and done. Don't just use it as your final assessment or something for for a novel. Um, the first time you do it, you might just want to be checking in about the reading from that day and you can do your introduction and you can give them like 10 or 15 terms in small groups and just take some time and try it out and let them get their feet wet. Um, the next time maybe you're going to give them a few more terms and they're going to be a little more layered. They're going to connect out more to the world, to, um, things you've read at other times, to things that they're doing in history or art class. Um, you can start to have them make their own hexagons. You can do combinations where you make 10 and they make 10 or they make them all (laughs) as they become more proficient. You can start to layer in things like images. I really like this. You can put on a hexagon, um, a political cartoon, or you can put on um, a photograph from the news or whatever. Like there's, there's so much potential. And I've seen, I've seen teachers do it digitally. I have a, a free digital toolkit that makes it really easy to type in your terms and then you can either print them or you can just have students move them around on the slide. I've seen them print huge hexagons and put um, magnets on the back and like move them around the wall. And and I've seen, and I suggest this, I also have a free kit for this. It's like a dry erase hexagon. And so I have a little like rainbow deck of dry erase hexagons and you can pass on a marker to the group, you know, and then they can put their terms on there. But um, 
the bottom line is it's just really adaptable and flexible and you can make it fit like a 10 minute activity. Mm -hmm. That's a warm up for something else. You can make it, people do make it like a a term ending assessment where Mm -hmm. people are connecting everything that has happened and then, and then writing really extensive explanations for their connections. Well, I mean, you are speaking our language here with rinse and repeat. So I love it. <laughs> so again, it's if so I'm nice. Like, if I'm like, I want to get started with this and this sounds wonderful and great. Can you speak into some of like the obstacles I might face or my students might face so that maybe I can avoid those and really have a successful lesson with my students? Yeah. So this is an interesting one. As I was thinking about it, I hear so many success stories and see so many photos from classrooms of teachers doing this. And I do not hear a lot of like, this didn't really work. (laughs) My students didn't really get into it. I hear a lot of like, whoa, I was not expecting this to work so well. Like kids, there's something about it. (laughs) There's something about the little physical gimmick of it. That's just it ignites your interest. And so um, in that way, it works really well. I think based on my lifetime experience of group work, I think the thing that you want to work with kids on is going to be group dynamics Mm -hmm. in particular. Like I think giving them a chance to process maybe in advance or maybe after the first time you introduce it, what does make a good group member here? Like somebody's maybe cutting out hexagons, somebody's shifting them around, somebody's taking the lead, somebody's making some hard decisions at some point when three people in the group want to put things in different places. Like how can we work on that so that at the end of the hexagonal thinking discussion, everybody feels like they contributed, everybody feels like their voice was heard. Um, I think that can be quite challenging the first time, the first couple of times, as in any class, you're going to have your dominators. Um, You're going to have your kids who are a little more reticent and quiet. And so coaching those kids who are a little more quiet and asking them to reflect on how they can contribute in a way that feels comfortable to them, coaching the kids who are dominating and saying, you know, look, wow, (laughs) you have a lot to contribute here. And that's awesome. But also like, I think it sort of looks like Renee wants to say something. (laughs) Did you get a chance to hear what she wanted to say? Um, And I think that that just sort of knowing that going in that you might want to help with that um, is really helpful. I'm going to ask like an, like an offshoot question from that. I have one too. I'm I think it, it'll be the same thing probably, <laughs> but I know that our teachers would ask us like in our membership, you know, if they were sitting down, how, what do you do with the student who just makes like the surface level yep. connection over that? Was that your same question? Same Always. Question. We're on the same page all the time. <laughs> what do you do with that student who just continues time and time again to make that surface level connection? Like, doesn't really want to go deep, you know, cause they're not, not they they're being given the creativity to think deeply, but they're not necessarily given direction a hundred percent of the way to yeah. think critically. So what do you tell a teacher who's in a situation like that? What do they do with a student in that scenario? Yeah. My favorite way to approach this is with modeling. And it's something that you kind of revisit over and over really, but You can do some fun things with modeling where you make surface connections and you ask for their help. So like maybe I've got a bunch of really fascinating terms and I put up a Google slide that puts like all the characters around one um, little section of the map. And I'm like, these are connected because 
they're characters. They're all <laughs> characters. And then I'm like, good, right? Right? I nailed this one. And you know, you're going to get somebody to be like, that's so boring. Like I wouldn't put all the characters together. And then I'd be like, oh, why not? <laughs> I thought that was genius, you know, and just kind of play it out with them and have them help you out. And, and you can do that in different contexts, in different ways. And then you can also model like really fantastic connections, things that have come up in your other classes, things have come up in that class previously when you were doing hexagonal thinking and, and showcase, like, look at this connection that was made here between this character, this theme, this thing that happened in the news yesterday, and this thing that you guys just read about in your AP physics class. Like, this is incredible. Look at the way that, that this is connected to this. I never would have thought of that. This mm -hmm. connection just blew me away, you guys. And so you, you can both kind of push them to be creative by modeling what doesn't work and push them to be creative by modeling what does. Mm -hmm. You can also build this a little more into your assessment when you do assess at the end of a hexagonal thinking discussion, and there are a million different ways to do it. Um, but you can structure a little more of the requirement of higher order thinking into the writing prompt mm -hmm. or the video prompt or the presentation prompt or whatever it is and say like, I'm really looking for, you know, three key points for why you made this connection in your writing about this connection or whatever. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'm not interested in like, these two are the same because they're both themes or, you know, both of these have to do with love. That's, that's right. not going to work. I, this is more what I'm looking for. And then maybe put a model right there on the prompt, but you can't give them like an absolute roadmap, right? Because every conversation is going to be different. It, it is creative. There is no right answer. And so, you know, it's a good question. It's something you have to keep revisiting and working with individual kids on. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great answer, you know, because there's always going to be there's scenario, those scenarios. And then there's always going to be the student who does the crazy connections that you're just like, wait, I'm sorry, what? But that's the purpose, you know? Um, yeah, it's and fun. so I think that that does hit the nail on the head. So you were kind of alluding to this a little bit just then at the end about evaluating and using this activity as some sort of an evaluation for students at the end of a unit or, you know, as summative assessments and formative assessments, however it is that you're going to do it in your classroom. Um, how do you gauge student growth or success with a strategy like this? Like, what are your suggestions for evaluating students and ultimately grading this type of essay or uh, assignment? Do you grade it for that matter? Yeah, there are so many ways you can go. I mean, you can use this as a short discussion strategy. That's just like an, a nice thing that you're doing in class that day that leads into something else. That's more of an assessment. You know, it's just a chance to talk about what you've been reading or to preview something that's coming up. You want to introduce a unit, but if you want to use it in a more formalized assessment way. I think there are kind of two paths of feedback. You want to give kids a chance to reflect on their um, leadership, on their contributions, on what it's like for them to participate in hexagonal thinking. So doing having a couple reflection questions that you do at the end of the activity that's like, how did you contribute to your group? how did you feel about the way other people contributed and how did kind of those things together lead you to want to contribute next time? So like give them a chance to think, how can I improve? Because we're coming back to this strategy again in a week or two 
and I want to get better at it. So like, was I happy? Did, did I feel like my contributions were balanced and helpful and I didn't get in any fights and, you know, like it was a good experience for me or do I feel like I, I want something else for next time? And so having them kind of set those mini goals and have that be something they turn in so you can kind of see how people are doing with it, I think is really helpful. And that's mm-hmm. not graded um, unless you want to have kids give themselves a participation grade. That's fine. Yeah, but that makes then, perfect sense. Yeah, but then it's really um, easy and actually pretty fun to use the discussion as a prompt for one of three types of assessments. You can do a presentation. You can have the students gallery walking around and maybe having having groups take turns presenting to their peers on their connections. You can do a presentation style where they're doing individually like in a flip grid. Um, So each student is going to choose a couple of connections and say, look, these are the two connections I think were most interesting that came out of my group work today. Here's why I think they're interesting. Here's why they matter. This is my defense. Um, You can do writing instead of presenting. So at the end of the activity, you can say, all right, guys, like take a look at your grid, um, open up your notebook, choose one connection and make me a case why that connection is so critical Um, why did you make it? Why is it the most important connection on your entire web? And that's a chance to do some writing. Um, or, or you can go explain two connections, explain five connections. It just depends on how big of an assessment you want it to be. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's all of them. So there's a flip, there's a flip grid video, a presentation, um, or any type of a writing prompt that can mm-hmm. come out of it. And those are just a little more simple to grade in pretty much your regular grading way. Yeah. I Absolutely. love it. This is such a cool concept to me. Like, like I said, my wheels are spinning. Like I want to try this and I like it too, because it ties into, you know, one of the things that we talk about at EB academics all the time is just rinsing and repeating lessons. You know, if you've done it once, do it again. You know, if Mm -hmm. it works and your kids love it, this is, this so lends itself to that concept that I just, I think it's such a fantastic additional rinse and repeat activity that teachers can bring into their classrooms to make their lives easier, right? Cause you're not coming up with something new every single freaking time, but your students are also benefiting so much from doing it multiple times because they're going to get better and better and better at it. Just like, you know, with like a Socratic seminar or a silent debate or anything like that. Um, I just think it's so fantastic. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover that we didn't ask you about? Or do you have, you mentioned that you have a free download somewhere. Did you mention yeah, that in the right. episode? Yeah. I'll send you the link. So <laughs> okay. I think I've shared out about 10,000 of these so far. It's so fun. It's just a set of Google slides where you can type in your terms. Um, You can either have students move the hexes around online if you're teaching online right now. Many folks are, of course, or if you want to print them out, it's really easy to print them off the Google slide. And then the all important crucial piece of advice is let the students cut out the hexagons. <laughs> you do not Love need it. to spend five hours the night before watching Netflix and cutting little paper hexagons. Yes. So true. Great advice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's perfect. I'll get the link from you. I'll include it in the show notes. We'll also include in our show notes, a bunch of different pictures and images that you have of this concept in action. So t- teachers can really start to visualize, oh, okay, this is what it's going to look like in practice. Um, Cause I think it is so helpful. I mean, just if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, Betsy has a huge hexagonal hexagonal thinking behind her on her <laughs> wall in her office. Um, so you can see kind of what that looks like in action. So thank you so much. 
Betsy for joining us. Again, our listeners can find you over on your podcast, which is the Spark Creativity Podcast. You're also on Instagram. What is your Instagram handle again? It's at now Spark Creativity. Now Spark Creativity. Was Spark Creativity gone or was now like a part of something originally? I can't remember anymore. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect answer. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Betsy, for joining us. I know our teachers and our listeners are absolutely going to love this. We so appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk about it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. Thanks, Betsy. We will see everybody next week on the podcast. Jessica and I are diving into a little bit of mindset around leaving school early. As crazy as that sounds, like why does my mindset have anything to do with that? We're going to talk about vision. It's a little bit of a woo out there episode, but it is quite possibly my favorite one that we've ever recorded. Ooh, that's yes. high praise. I like it. <laughs> so we'll see you guys next week on the podcast. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>